11 Things You Must Do When Planning for Your Best Ever Homestead for 2019. Welcome to episode number 164 of the Pioneering Today podcast, where we give you the clear steps to create the garden, pantry, kitchen, and life you want for your family and homestead. I'm your host, Melissa K. Norris, and I'm so excited to be back with you for this episode. If you're a brand new listener, welcome. And if you're a returning listener, I'm so glad you're back. I've taken a little bit of a hiatus this month because I am working on a brand new book I'm very excited about, and it's due to my publisher. I'm on deadline. It's due January 1st. Good news is we're going to meet deadline, no problem. But the bad news is I've really had to focus on that to make sure I could meet that deadline and I haven't gotten as many podcast episodes out. Normally we do one a week, so usually every Friday you have a brand new podcast episode. And for my loyal listeners, thank you so much for your understanding. You may have noticed I've missed a couple of weeks and I miss you guys. So we are back and I have got an episode I'm really excited to share with you as we go through all of the steps to planning out your homestead year for 2019. Now, if you are listening to this way into the future, maybe it's 2020, these tips really are timeless and they are going to apply. And even if you're not listening to this, say you stumble upon this episode in June, you can still use these tips really any time of year, but it tends to be this time of year that we really kind of plan things out and start thinking about the next year And I want to take advantage of that so that you can create the garden and the homestead and the pantry of your dreams. Just quick little housekeeping note. I'm going to be referencing a lot of different articles and past podcast episodes on these specific tips that you can go back to and dive in even further on the areas that you need help with. So to access the show notes or the full written blog post that goes with it and all of these resources, you can go to melissaknorris.com forward slash 164 because this is episode number 164 and it will take you right there. Okay, without further ado, let's get to it. So for me, when I am planning out our homestead year, It always starts with what we are raising. And then I break it down further from there. The very first thing I like to do is evaluate what I've got before we plan and move forward. The first place that we start is with the food that we're raising. If you raised any of your own food last year, we always go back and evaluate how much food we have left from last year's growing season. This applies to not just our vegetables, but it also applies to our fruit and our herbs. Definitely my culinary herbs and also the herbs that we grow for medicinal purposes. Now I have a detailed podcast episode and blog post walking you through all of these steps, including charts that you can download and worksheets that are going to help you do that, I highly recommend that you go back to that episode and do those tips and steps first. Now, even if you don't have a garden, this is your first year, I'm so excited, that you are going to be growing some of your own food. I still recommend that you use the tips that I outline 
in episode number 124, how to plan your best garden and harvest for a year's worth of food. And maybe your goal is not to raise enough for a year's worth of food. It's just to grow some of your food. But all of the tips and the things that I outline in that episode are going to help you out. And it all starts with evaluating your pantry and your freezer. So even if you've never grown anything before, these tips are going to apply to you. And if you're a little bit of a veteran and you've grown some things and you've preserved some things, they definitely are going to apply to you. So that's where I recommend that you go and start. Once you've done that, that's going to give you your base game plan. Then I like to look and see where I'm going to be adding in new items. I try not to overwhelm myself, but I do like to add in one or two new things every single year. For example, with our herbs, last year, we added in thyme. How did I not have thyme growing for both medicinal purposes, but also in our culinary garden? Last year's additions for me were thyme and calendula. This year, I want to add some of my own stevia. When it comes to the vegetable garden, we've pretty much got that dialed into the foods that we eat and we can preserve a year's worth of, and some of them we grow just for the delight of eating them fresh. But for our regular annual summer vegetable garden, I don't have any plans of adding anything new in, maybe a variety of tomatoes. I can't help it. Tomatoes, you guys, are my weakness. I always want to try just one more fun, different variety. I may add in a new pepper and or tomato or two. I'll try to contain myself to that. But that's not really a new plant or a new crop that I'm growing because we already raised enough of those to take us through a year. But I do like to play with varieties a little bit here and there. Next up, we have our fruit production. Not only do I take this time to look at do I need to increase the number of plants that we have or add in some new or different kinds to the homestead, but also plan out your pruning schedule or your maintenance care because we want to make sure that we are getting the absolute most amount of harvest from everything that we have planted rather than just adding more and more. So if you had less than what you think should be a good harvest for what you have planted, now is the time to not only pick out what you're putting in this year or if you're adding anything new in, but also to do any type of amendments and improvements. When it comes to fruit specifically, we always prune ours in the, well, late winter, early spring or midwinter, early spring. The reason for that is twofold. One, in the fall, I am too busy with getting the rest of the harvest up and then also dealing with the harvest and butchering time, which means rendering down lard, making our soap, all of those things. I really don't have time to prune in the fall. There are some things that you actually should not prune in the fall as well, because depending upon where you live, if you prune in the fall, you open up the tree or the plant. This can also be not necessarily just fruit trees, but also some of your perennial hardy or twiggy woody herbs and or different fruit plants or bushes that we don't really consider a tree. You know, blueberry, we don't really consider a blueberry a tree, but it's definitely a fruit bush. If you prune them in the fall, sometimes, and this is especially true of your herbs, they don't have time to harden off and protect themselves when the hard frosts come and they are more apt to be damaged. Then with some of your fruit trees, like I said, depending upon where you live, if you prune them in the fall, 
same philosophy or same principle to a degree. But if you prune them in the fall, you're opening up the tree where you have made the cut and they're more susceptible to getting some different diseases. The other reason that I like to prune in late winter and early spring is I can see all of the new fruit buds and fruit clusters and spurs where they're at. So this is a much more accurate guide for me to pruning to a larger harvest. Now, one thing that I will do is if we've had any type of really big windstorm or any really damaged or broken branch that I see on a tree or a bush, I will cut just that broken or damaged spot so that it's a nice, clean, 45-degree angle cut. But other than that, and that's usually just maybe one or two plants max in the fall for the whole year, then I'll do that. The majority of everything we prune, like I said, for us here in our climate, which is in the Pacific Northwest, we usually do the majority of our pruning mm, usually about the beginning to mid-February. But as you're planning your year, you want to make sure that you're planning that pruning time in. Also, if you need any additional tools, do you have good pruning shears? If you put your trees and your bushes in when they were young, as they grow, those branches get larger and larger. So you may have first started out with just a little pair of hand loppers or shears, and that worked fine. But as those trees grow, you may need to invest into some bigger pruning equipment. And on the subject of our fruit trees, this can be a great time in late winter, early spring to put in new varieties, or you may even need to transplant. Now, of course, if you have a couple feet of snow or the ground is frozen solid, that's going to inhibit things for a while in order for you to do it. But before trees break their dormancy, before they begin to leaf out, if you're going to transplant them, that or not even transplant, but necessarily plant them, especially your bare root plants, that is the time to do it. If you need to order any, I ordered last year, we put in two elderberry varieties on our homestead. A lot of online nurseries, we don't have any place around here that carried elderberry trees locally that I should say I was aware of in order. So I placed an order online and a lot of places when you punch in your zip code and you do your ordering, they won't even ship the item if it's a perennial until it's time for it to be planted. But you can place those orders now while you're thinking about it and get it done. And then they will ship out when it's the appropriate time. It's also a great time with your fruit trees. If you had any pollination issues, maybe you didn't get the correct cross pollinators. This can be a really good time to evaluate that and see if you need to add in any new varieties. I've talked in the past on the podcast that I needed to add in another pollinator for our cherry trees. And sometimes even your self-pollinating plants, you will get a better harvest if they've got some other varieties nearby. And talking about our vegetable garden and even our fruit too, you want to do your soil testing. Ideally, soil testing is best done in the fall, but I'm going to confess, I don't always get mine done in the fall and I don't do it every year. If you had any crop issues, especially things like blossom end rot or things just weren't growing very well, it's a good idea to get your soil tested by a lab and if you do it now, you still have time to amend the soil way before planting time. And anytime we're doing soil amendments, it is best to do it in the fall. But if not in the fall, at least where you've got a couple of months before you put your plants in, because a lot of those amendments, it takes time for them to break down into the soil 
so that they're actually available in the soil for the plants that you're putting in to be able to absorb and use the amendments that you've made. Now, I've got episode number 135, how to test your soil pH and mistakes to avoid when amending acidic or alkaline soil. And remember, you can grab all of these different resources and things that I'm talking about at melissaknorris.com forward slash 164. Also want to talk about perennial plants. This is a great time to plan out if you're adding in any new perennials and or creating an actual perennial bed. Perennial plants are wonderful because you plant them once and provided you take care of them, you only have to plant them once and they continue to provide you with food and crops for years and years to come. The majority of your fruits are perennials, but there are also some vegetables, think asparagus, that are perennials as well. I've got an episode number 132, Perennial Plants to Increase Food Production with Less Time. But if you're planning on putting in perennials, this is going to be the time of year that you want to plan out, one, which ones you're putting in, and two, where you're going to be putting them in, and if you need to do any type of soil amendment or prepping to create that bed or the area where you're putting them in. This is especially important with perennial plants because ideally, you only want to plant them once and have them be in their permanent location. You can transplant and move perennials, but it does set them back for the amount of harvest you get, especially when you're putting in perennial things like asparagus, blueberries, and especially your fruit trees. You're looking at a longer game. Your fruit trees, sometimes you won't even get a fruit harvest for seven years. With blueberries and asparagus, the first couple of years, it's recommended to not harvest from them so that they can develop a really good, strong root system. So think about any perennial plants that you want to be adding into the homestead and then come up with your game plan on where you're putting them in and what you need to do in order to get that spot ready for the plants. We've been focusing a lot on our food production with these first tips, which brings me to our next one, and that is your preserving. This time of year, you're probably not doing a ton of preserving because the majority of your crops, well, it depends on your climate and where you live, but I'm going to say for the majority of the U.S., this isn't our big preserving time, but it's a great time to look at the food that you've got and what you want to do for next year and come up with a plan for that. I've got you covered in episode number 147 with step-by-step detail. And that episode 147 is home food preservation, your preserving plan for a year's worth of food. You can go and check that out too. But for example, I only have one quart jar left of dehydrated cherries. They are my favorite. I've got a lot of other fruit. I've got dehydrated blueberries. I've got frozen blueberries still. We've got lots of jams and jellies. I've got raspberries, but dried cherries are my favorite thing to snack on. Oh my goodness. They are dessert. I will eat them with a couple of dark chocolate chips. Best thing ever. But I only have one quart jar left. I know that I need to double or even triple the amount of cherries that I dehydrated last year, this year, because I am having to only eat a couple in order to stretch them out and make them last as long as possible. So I'm making a note, cherry season time, to make sure that I purchase more. We don't actually grow enough cherries on our homestead yet for me to be able to just dehydrate our own crop. We do have the raspberries and the blueberries and the blackberries, but 
not cherries. I'm making a notation when it comes cherry harvest time to increase the amount that I purchase. And we actually are very lucky on the other side of the mountains for us where fruit grows very, very abundantly. We call it the east side. It's the east side of the North Cascade Mountain Range in Washington State, to be exact. We have friends that have a cherry farm. If you're purchasing from a local farm, you can even put in earlier, probably not this early, but make a note because you can let them know, hey, I want to up my order. Let's talk livestock. Some of you may only be doing fruit and vegetable and herb production, and that is fine. But I know there's others of you out there that are wanting to either expand the livestock that you have on your homestead or bring some in for the very first time. My husband and I were just discussing last night how many meat chickens we need to bring in this year. We took this past year off of raising meat chickens. So we raised pretty much 100% of all of our meat here on our homestead. We do our own organic grass-fed beef. We do organic pasture-raised pork. We raise our meat chickens. And then I also have hens, of course, for eggs. Last year, we did not raise meat chickens because we had such an abundance still in the deep freezer that we needed to go through what we had. That's where when you go through the evaluating on what you've currently got in your freezer, which is part of how to plan your best garden and harvest for a year's worth of food, episode 124, that also pertains to meat. When we went through and saw what we had and did our inventory, we knew that we did not need to raise meat chickens, so we took a year off from that. We also took a year off from raising pork because we just had an abundance, which is a beautiful thing, but there was no point in us raising them those years when we didn't actually need the meat. This year, however, we are going to be raising pork and meat chickens again because we have went through our stock. We've got enough to take us through until butcher time in October for the pigs. The meat chickens we raise in the summer, we do them over about eight to 10 weeks. But I know I need to, one, call our breeder to put in an order for the piglets. And then I need to make sure that I have written down in my schedule, calendar, planner, whatever you want to call it. It's all of those things to put in the order for the meat chickens. So if it's something that you're not breeding and raising yourself that you need to get from somewhere else, this is the time to go through and decide what are we raising this year get in those appropriate calls or even find it. Maybe you don't even know. You're like, well, I don't know. I haven't done this before. Look in your area to see where you're going to be able to purchase these items. Now, for us, I prefer to not buy our animals from an auction. Sometimes you get great things at auctions. Sometimes you don't. I really prefer to use a local breeder, which is what we do for our piglets. I can talk to them. I can see his animals. We can go and visit the farm, see the condition of everything. And that's the way that I prefer to do it. You can ask around, especially now with social media, it's really easy to find these places. You can just ask on your Facebook feed or on Instagram, hey, I'm looking for this. Does anybody know any good local people or local breeders? Do you have any contacts? And people are pretty willing to share that information. If you plan on getting chickens, because of course, you don't have to have as much space for chickens as you do for acreage-wise for something like cattle or even pigs. Though pigs, you don't need as much acreage for pigs as you do for cattle. This is going to vary on your climate and where you live, but the majority of the time, for most places this is true, you need at least one acre of pasture 
per cow. More, of course, is better. Our goal is to only feed hay in the wintertime so that they're completely grass-fed. They're always on pasture, but that they have enough grass to sustain them through the majority of the year. It cuts down our costs, which is great when that happens, but it's also healthier for them to be on as much grass than it is for them to eat hay, even though we do high-quality hay. But if you're planning on bringing in any livestock, and even if you've already got livestock, you're planning on getting more, this is a good time to evaluate your fences, your pens, your structures, your feed, all of those things. We have a local granary. Well, I say local. It's about an hour and 10 minutes away from us one way. I can put in orders and they mill it fresh. So you can put in your order and they mill it fresh, which is really nice. And they are cheaper than most of the regular feed stores because you're going directly to the source. But you can also put in orders to get what they call super sacks, but they are half ton bags of feed. So I do that. We do organic pig feed. And I always do organic with feed because I want my animals only eating organic. I don't want them eating GMO products. And if there's any corn in there or soy or anything like that in some of the commercial feeds, there's a high chance that it's genetically modified just because those crops are so widespread grown genetically modified. So I always go the organic route. But if I purchase one of those half ton bags of organic pig feed, then we can supplement with, of course, they're on pasture and we rotate their pins and we supplement with vegetables from the garden and kitchen scraps and apples. All of our neighbors and family far and wide know when we have pigs and we are really fortunate they will give us all of their vegetable scraps and let us come and forage apples that have fallen, the seconds that are a little bit bruised up. So we don't have to feed them exclusively the pig feed and we're able to stretch it. But when we purchase it in that half ton amount, we get a bigger break. So it's cheaper per pound. Of course, we have to have the storage and that comes into your planning too. So we evaluate our fences and really with the cattle, we have them year round. Any fence that goes down has to be repaired immediately. But then any pins, so we have the pig pen and we have the pig structure for their house. That's something that we need to look at before we're getting the pigs and make any improvements or do any changes that we want to do. And this could be improvement wise. We're talking in relation to your livestock right now. Maybe you want to redo something to the chicken coop. You want to expand their runout area change where the roosting are and the nesting boxes, anything like that. Maybe you've got milk cows and you want to do the milking station a little bit different. This is a great time to plan all of that out and when you're going to be doing it. It could be a new outbuilding, a shed, things on your grounds. Maybe you want to put in a new, like we talked about, a perennial bed, increase the garden spot, put in some new raised beds. Might even just be creating an outdoor kitchen and cook area, a patio area. But whatever that is, now is the time to plan that out. So look through the seasons and decide a lot of it's going to be weather permitting, at least here for us in the Pacific Northwest. We try not to do a ton of outdoor work right now. We try to save that time for the spring and the summer. And with those improvements, we slide right into our next tip on planning your homestead year, and that's finances. Because you are going to need money unless you're able to barter, which works in some situations, not all, to do the improvements if you are purchasing the animals and then purchasing their feed. 
we want to look at our finances because they're going to dictate what we are going to be able to do improvement wise and sometimes even purchasing wise of, like I said, the animals to bring on. Now, don't worry, I have got quite a few different posts and articles for you when it comes to the finance part, especially episode number 116, which is five tips on cutting your debt and my story on quitting my day job. But that post goes into great detail on how we did that and that has a ton of more resources, how to make money off the homestead, how to start homesteading when you don't have the money to do it. So you're really gonna wanna check that one out. It is a gem for the finances. But we look at what debt do we have outstanding that we wanna try to get paid down this year? What investments are we gonna be making? For us, our animals are something we consider an investment. Yes, they are also an expense, but we consider them an investment as well. For you, it might be you are planning on doing pressure canning this year. And so your expense and investment is going to be that pressure canner. But you also might be planning on selling some of the things that you can and make at a farmer's market. Now, as I said, if you go to episode number 116 and go through those different resources, I do talk about in different posts, cottage laws and starting a business from your homestead and things that you need to know and look out for if that's the route that you want to go. But this is the time to plan all of that out and brainstorm and then come up with your plan of action. Next up on our list of planning out is going to be, and these are going to go hand in hand to a degree, but that is your food and your eating, which homesteaders, we like our food. A lot of our life revolves around growing, raising, producing, harvesting, and cooking our food. Can I get an amen? But I want you to look at your fitness and the foods that you're eating from a health standpoint. Now, a lot of times when we think of fitness and health, we immediately think of dieting or some number we've got in our head that we want to be on the scale or a pant size or something like that. And while that's fine, that's not really what I'm talking about here. In regards to fitness, we need to be physically fit in order to live this lifestyle. When you have animals, you are pack and feed. You are pack and water. If they get out of the fence, you are chasing them back in. If you are building fence and buildings and moving hay bales, you need to be able to physically do that. And being in shape is going to help you do that better and give you the ability to do it longer. Now, fitness is going to be so many different things to every person. I think it looks different to a degree to every single person. But I think it's also a great time of year to evaluate where you're at with your fitness goals or your fitness level, where you wanna be at. For me, I have finally found what I feel is the perfect balance. I've struggled with hypothyroidism, adrenal gland failure, where I physically did not have the energy my body just said no, that I could not exercise. And I was very frustrated. But by the food that I eat, talking about the health part, and really understanding how different foods that we put into our bodies, how our body uses them and long-term effects, 
And that has been a process of years. But I do have for you, I have a three-part series because I have people, which I'm so glad that I can share with you what's worked for me and what I've discovered in the hopes that it will help you and shorten your learning curve and get you to a spot where you are feeling great. So those are episodes number 126, 127, and 128. So it's a three-part series. The first one, 126, is how to heal stomach acid naturally, which is my story on how I got off of taking prescription stomach acid medications up to six times a day. Then part two, 127, is how to find your trigger foods. They're not the same for every person. And then episode number 128 was what happens to your body when you eat healthy and cut out sugar, which is part three. And it's actually with a medical doctor, and it's a seasonal and ancestral look at eating naturally and discussing keto. I think one of the biggest fallacies or misconceptions that we have as a society is not understanding that what we put into our bodies food-wise really dictates our health way more than we ever think or realize. There are so many instances, and I'm not saying that just because you eat healthy, because eating healthy has so many different connotations and meanings to different people. I'm not saying that if you eat healthy, you are never gonna be sick or because someone has came down with a disease or an illness because they didn't eat right. For some disease and illnesses, that is true, but not for all of them. So please don't mistake me or mistake what I'm sharing or what I'm saying there. But I had no idea that the foods I was eating, and many of them I thought was good. I mean, I wasn't eating bags of Doritos, but I had no idea that they were the cause of so many of my problems and even prescription medications that I was taking. And so looking at your health, if you are dealing with anything or struggling with anything in your health, I think it's so important to get your nutrition and the foods dialed in. For the fitness aspect, I do the majority of my workouts at home, but I do go to a local fitness center two times a week. And I do a combination that works well for me. I do weightlifting two times a week. I do HIIT cardio workouts two times a week. And then I do PIO two times a week. So PIO, if you've never heard of it, is a combination of Pilates for the strength training, a combination of yoga for flexibility, and then cardio. It's a moving and fluid type of exercise. So it's low impact, and it's one of my absolute favorites. And I actually fell in love with it so much that I became certified and I teach a local Pio class one night a week and then I do it once on my own at home the other day. And last up on our list of things to look at, evaluate, and plan for 2019 is your hobbies and your skill sets. Is there an area that you want to improve on, or maybe it's a brand new skill? For me, I do a lot of quilting in the summertime, which sounds crazy because that's when the planting and the harvesting is going on, right? Well, yeah, it is. But we also do a lot of camping in the summertime. And I love to be able to sit around the campfire in the evening when we're camping and work on quilting a quilt. I want to try some new techniques and, of course, new patterns. 
So improving my quilting is a hobby that I plan on working on this year. Maybe for you, it's soap making. Maybe it's learning how to knit or crochet. At the time of this recording, it's December 17th, so you can tell my mind is a little bit more on things that are warm. And it might not have anything to do with homesteading. It could be something else totally entirely. But whatever that skill set or hobby that you have, make sure that you plan and schedule in some time for that. Or if it's a new skill set, figure out how are you going to learn that? Is it going to be an online academy like the Pioneering Today Academy, where we do teach bread making and sourdough and fermenting and, of course, growing and raising all of your own food, but we also do candle making, those types of skill sets as well? Is it somebody that you know who's offered to teach you or you've wanted to ask, could you teach me, but you've just not done it? Or maybe it's a local class. Maybe it's a cake decorating class. Maybe it's a painting class, learning how to do oil painting or watercolor or something like that. Whatever it is, I think it's so important that we also nurture our creativity side with those skill sets and hobbies. Now, I know I've thrown a lot of information at you, and there's lots of areas for you to think about. So don't worry. When you hit the show notes, I'm going to have those all written out for you. And I'm also going to create a cheat sheet for you so that you can just grab that and download it and print it out, and it'll have an area highlighted for all of these spots so that you can go through and write in the ones that you're doing or that you're focusing on and then create your plan. And if there's some of these areas that you've heard me talking about and you're like, I want to know more about that. I want to know exact details and how you do it. Then let me know. You can leave me a review, of course, of the podcast. You can shoot me an email. You can message me on social media, or you can go straight to the blog post and leave it in the comments. But I would love to know, because this is your guys's podcast just as much as it is mine, where you would like me to dive in further to give you the help and the skills that you need to make it a reality this year. It's great to gather information, but we have to act. Sometimes I think we get scared of taking action like, well, what if we mess it up? What if we make a mistake? And you're going to. You're going to mess things up and you're going to make mistakes no matter what it is you're doing. But the beauty of a homesteading mindset and a homesteader quality is determination and always learning. So when you do make a mistake and you do mess up because it happens to everyone, you learn from it and you determine to do better next time. Don't beat yourself up about it. Learn from the mistake. Don't sit and wallow in it. Pull yourself up by them bootstraps because as homesteaders, we got boots. In fact, on my Christmas list is a pair of new boots. And I'm pretty sure they're gonna be under the tree. So I'm gonna wrap this up with our verse of the week, which is Romans chapter eight, verse 28. We are assured and know that God being a partner in their labor all things work together and are fitting into a plan for good to and for those who love God and are called according to his design and purpose. And I thought that this was a very appropriate verse because as I said, sometimes we get so caught up in making a mistake or I still can't believe I'm not doing this or I still haven't got this dialed in. I feel like I've been trying to get this done forever in my life. I kind of feel like I felt like that for a long time in regards to health and fitness, and I'm still not 100% where I want to be, but I am 
definitely making progress and I'm happy with where I'm at, but I've made a ton of mistakes. And what I love about that verse and the beauty that God gave us with salvation and his love for us is that even when we do make mistakes and we make errors and all of those things, that he flips them when we give it to him and we're following him. He flips those mistakes and those challenges and those things that we just think are horrible, and he will take them and work them out for our good. Now, sometimes we may feel like he's taken a while to work it out. I know I've been there. When you're in the midst of it, it's kind of like, oh, Lord, how are you going to get this worked around for me? Like, it can just be a bad spot that you're in. But hold on to that and know that he will work those things out for good. Sometimes it takes us a while. Sometimes it's weeks, sometimes it's months, sometimes it's years to be able to look back and see how he's taken a situation and he's turned that and he's made good come out of it. Now, it doesn't always mean that that situation magically turned good, but I can honestly say when I look back that I can always see where he's taken something bad and he has moved in my life and created good from it. If you enjoyed this episode, please do subscribe to the podcast and share it with someone else. There's something awesome about having a community and homesteaders are some of the best people to have in a community that I know of. And it's great when you've got other people in your life who are working on the same things. There's something very motivating when we see other people doing things that we wanna be doing and we know we should be doing that helps us to stay on the path and to doing those things. Thank you so much for joining me and I can't wait to see your guys' comments and things that you want to hear and see next coming up on the podcast. I hope that you have a phenomenal 2019 I can't wait to see what you do on your homestead. Until next time, bye for now.